Okay, recording. Here we are today. It's Friday, January 6th, 2023. It's a big Mm. day. It's a big day. (laughs) Jen Shaw gets sentenced and, uh, you know, it's the anniversary of the insurrection on the Capitol. Oh, Jen Shaw is a um, real housewife. (gasps) She got sentenced to 78 months in prison. Six and a half years. Jeez. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about books we discovered while on our bookstore browse. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to talk about this very, what I think is a fun little hobby for me, which is mm-hmm. it has been bookstore browsing. And I, I kind of talked you into giving it a go. And yeah. now we can kind of dissect it. Oh, I was so excited for this episode. It was one of the, like, we were working on our content calendar toward the end of last year. And we're like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you know? When do you want to do it? And I, I was like pushing to do this early because I think it's so <laughs> fun. I think that's what's so fun about reading is like the anticipation, the find the, can you find the next big thing? And I don't know about you, but both of my books I heard literally zero about before I picked them up. One of mine I found just perusing the shelves and the other one I did know about, mm-hmm. but it was not on my radar. And so I'll, anyway, I'll, I'll say how it got on my radar based on a display that the bookstore had oh, up this summer. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I have a method, but I, you will have heard of this book too. And I, but I don't know if you've read it. Okay. So I definitely had heard of it, but without this topic, I, yeah, I don't know the, I don't know that I would have read either one of these books and I'm so glad I did. (laughs) I know it's funny because like I buy books from bookstores, but then do I take the next step and actually read it (laughs) when I purchase it? Mm, Mm -hmm. Hit or miss. (laughs) Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with collecting. We like to collect also, but it is fun to actually be motivated to read them. Yeah, especially when it pans out because both of mine, Mm -hmm. I did sample a few others that did not pan out, which you'll hear about in our DNF episode. But these two that I've settled with, they really, really worked for me. Okay. One, both of mine did. One, I absolutely loved. It is my first five-star book of 2023. And the funny thing is, I had a feeling only 24 minutes into this, because I was listening to the audio at first, that this was going to be a five-star. Mm. And sure enough, you You're know how right. when you, you get that feeling early? I was like, oh, I feel it. And it panned out. So we will talk about those very soon. And I'm going to get started with our loving lately. And I, I had to double check because I thought, how have have I brought this? No, I haven't. And this is my favorite mascara. I love it. It is called Better Than Sex Mascara. I get it from Sephora and it's in a pink tube. I don't get the waterproofing brand of it, but that is in blue, I think. So mm-hmm. pink tube, not waterproofing. It is for volumizing, curling, and lengthening. I don't know about the curling aspect only because I do use an eyelash curler, which I know is I know I know it could damage your eyelashes, but I can't get the curling without using the eyelash curler. Mm. And I was going to ask you if you use one. I do. I have a tweezerman one, and I definitely curl okay. them every time. So I don't know. Okay. No damage Same. yet. All right. Oh, yeah. Yours look good. I have a new yeah, method. I, I've, I'll tell you I've done it. it for years. I think I'm, I'm going strong on it. But this is a higher price point. It is $28. Now, because of that, I have, when I've run out... I've tried other mascaras. Recently, I had like Macy's Rewards money. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this really highly rated Clinique volumizing or something. I hated it. Every other mascara that I have tried outside of this, I don't like. 
So therefore, to me, this is a, it's worth the money. I don't always even use mascara every day. So I love this. It definitely provides volume. It definitely lengthens my eyelashes. And I don't know, I highly recommend it. It's easy to get off and that's better than sex mascara. I love that brand. That is my, one of my favorites too. It sometimes smears on me. I can't think of a better word. It sometimes transfers on me. This is my favorite. It's called L'Oreal Lash Paradise. And I would call it a dupe for the better than sex. Oh, This one's only 10 bucks. So next time you're in like CVS or whatever, give it a shot. I like it because it's got that big fluffy wand. That's the ticket for me. That is the Mm -hmm. ticket for this type. It is a really big like, yeah. yeah, I've never thought it fluffy. It is a big fluffy one. It wand. really works. Mm-hmm. It, it does. does. Oh, it definitely works for sure. That's a good one. What's that L'Oreal? L'Oreal. Tell us again. L'Oreal Lash Paradise. Lash Paradise. Okay. We love a dupe. <laughs> we do love a dupe. <laughs> All right. Well, my loving lately is something that I would consider an unnecessary necessity for my kitchen. <laughs> uh, okay. John's, I'm laughing because my husband's going to be editing it. Like, yeah, we do love these. Yes. So it's spice jars and a spice drawer organizer. (laughs) Okay. So I redid my spice drawer in the new house. At the old house, we had spice containers that were magnetic and kind of stuck to the side of the fridge. Mm -hmm. They worked, but it was kind of annoying because you would have to twist them and you couldn't really see how much spice you had left because the sides were metal the ones I got here, we have this really big pull-out drawer that comes all the way out. And, ugh, okay. I put the containers in the drawers and it was annoying because they were circular and didn't really fit. I was like, you know what? I saw somebody on TikTok with a very aesthetic spice drawer and I thought, how silly. And then five minutes later, I was like, but like also very useful. (laughs) So, (laughs) of course, cut to me ordering it. And of course, we'll link the one that I specifically got. But what I like for it, it's very aesthetic, very aesthetically pleasing. The jars are glass. I got 36 glasses with them. And I think I ordered, no, I didn't, but I could order more if you wanted, if you needed a few more. And they've got bamboo lids. So they're really pretty. And it comes with three different types of labels. There's the one that I put, they're just plain white. And there's like 10 pages of different spice names. So there's no way you, I mean, you might have a few spices that aren't listed, but I just, pulled out the little glass jar, put my little sticker on there. And it also comes with a tiny funnel. So you could funnel your spices in there. So now I open my drawer and I'm like, this is the most aesthetically pleasing thing I ever have had in my kitchen. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? It's not a need, but I didn't mind spending money on it because it's something I Mm -hmm. use literally every single day. So I thought I'd share. I'll also share a picture of our spice drawer in case anyone's interested. And also, I'm giving you the permission to buy something for yourself that might feel unnecessary if it'll really bring you joy. So that's what I'm bringing today for my loving lately. I really do. I get excited when I'm cooking because I'm like, ooh, what spices am I going to use? Plus, I can see. I'm like, oh, I'm almost out of cinnamon sugar. Got to get more. So it's been, a good, great. it's been a good time. So those are my spice um, jars. Oh, and the spice drawer organizer. These are like little risers. So they like lift up my little spices so I can see everything that's in there. Interesting. Okay. I have a spice organizer in the pantry, but it it is it sits up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And I'm horrible about <laughs> either number one, using spices regularly, and number two, going through and removing any that possibly most likely oh, expired yeah. mm-hmm. a long time ago. I go to my parents' house. I'm like, mom, this expired when I was literally in college. Like I can't, <laughs> you cannot keep using this paprika. <laughs> uh, How do you buy spices at the store and then transfer them into your little jars? Yes. Is that what you I, do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, I usually, the, the ones that I had, I just, I usually transfer them and then throw the, the container they come in away. Mm-hmm. But we have this new store by us that sells spices in little packets. So I can just oh. buy the little packet, fill it up and then toss it. Oh, good. It's a good time. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be excited to hear that. All right. <laughs> oh, good. I hope so. I'm serious. Yeah. Okay. Latest reads. I am so excited to talk about my latest read. This is something that I don't do often, but when I was rearranging my bookshelves over the holidays, I came across this book on my shelf, and it is Us by David Nichols. And It is on my five-star bookshelf. Now, I read this in 2014. 
which was when it was published. And I thought, I wonder if this would hold up on audio because I remember the story. I loved this book. And it's kind of that story where I had a feeling it would hold up on audio. And I had a feeling that all these years later, I wanted to see what I loved about it and if I still did. And the audio was so much fun. And I had forgotten about so much of this story. And you know, I love David Nichols because I I absolutely loved One Day is one of my all-time favorite books by him. And this is completely different. This is, I would say this is a contemporary family drama. Um, The audio is my favorite British narration. It was really good. And this is the story of Douglas Peterson. And he is a 54-year-old biochemist. And he is awoken in the middle of the night by his wife of 24 years, Connie. And Connie is 52. She is a former artist turned art gallery employee. And when she wakes him up, Douglas is assumes that Connie's worried about burglars again because she often wakes up worrying about burglars. So he heads downstairs, checks everything out, comes back and says, you know, there's nothing, no one's here. There's nothing to be scared of. And she said, I'm not worried about burglars. I just believe our marriage has, quote unquote, run its course. And tells Douglas right then and there that she wants a divorce after their son, Albie, leaves for college in October. And just like that, this is the opening scene. The story is off and running. So the gist of the entire like happenings and what goes on is Douglas ends up convincing Connie not to cancel their grand tour of Europe with their son because it's the one last family vacation before he leaves to go to college. But for Douglas, his intent and his hope is that he'll be able to make his wife fall back in love with him while they're on this grand tour of Europe. Oh my gosh. The narrative in this book is so propulsive for a a drama. It's funny at times. The way it's set up, the structure of the story is 180, and I know it sounds a lot, 180 very short chapters with catchy titles like On Practical Ethics of the Breakfast Buffet System, which was, it was so funny. It's very witty. The chapters alternate between present-day Grand Tour and flashbacks of Douglas and Connie's early days. And when I say opposites attract, boy, uh, opposites attract in this story. So we get to know them, and then we find out Douglas is very type A, and Connie is a free spirit who is basically experiencing a bit of, I love you, in terms of she loves Douglas, but she's not in love with him anymore. And as they go on their grand tour of Europe, I could not put this down. I read it. I re-listened to it in a day. I initially read it in one day. And I couldn't stop because one thing that David Nichols does so well is he takes his characters and he puts them in very tricky situations that make you wonder just how much can this character take? Are they going to completely implode? Like, what is going to happen? It's that sort of character-driven type of suspense. And once you get to know these characters, I predict that you'll probably be as invested as I was and want to know, will they end up together? Will this be a case of the inevitable failure of an opposites attract marriage to go the distance? Or will it be a case of that which doesn't kill you, meaning marriage, children, family vacations, uh, make you stronger? So you will have to read to find out. And I, I do predict that if you're listening and you loved or enjoyed Dinosaurs by Lydia Millet, I think that you will like Us by David Nichols. Oh, all yep. right. That was Us. <laughs> <laughs> that was Us by David Nichols. That does sound good. Uh, I know. You, it's you ch- fun. You changed your outro by literally like two words. And I was like, huh, just <laughs> <laughs> forgot where I was for a moment. You said something. This is so funny. So my latest read is a book that I saw on my bookshelf, forgot I even owned it, forgot that it existed. Its backlist came out in 2014 and it's by a beloved author. No way. Yes. I mean, we're aligned today. It was. We are. 
It was the storied life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin. I was organizing my bookshelves as I want to do. And I'm like, wait, what? Gabrielle Zevin, I I literally knew nothing about this book, even though I'm the last person on earth to have read it. So many people love it. But you know I love her Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow book. I'm like, great, done. It's slim. I'm trying to get to my goal for the end of the year. And it was actually the last book I read in 2022. I loved it. I'm so glad I picked it up. I know you've read this one back when it came out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I loved it. So it's about A.J. Fickery, and he is a bookstore owner on Alice Island. His life is not at all what he expected it to be. His wife has passed away. His bookstore is experiencing terrible sales. And his prized possession, which is a rare collection of Poe poems, has been stolen. So slowly but surely, he's isolating himself. And when we meet him in the very beginning of the story, he is just a curmudgeon through and through. Even the idealistic and lovely Amelia, who is a sales rep from a local indie publisher, comes over and tries to sell him on their quarterly catalog. She refuses to be deterred by his bad attitude, but eventually he starts to feel bad. Like, oh, she was so nice to me and I'm, you know, nothing but a grouch. Then a mysterious package arrives at the bookstore and it changes his life forever. He has to make some decisions about this particular delivery, and it gives him the opportunity to start over and to see everything new again. The locals start to notice that he has become a changed man, and things take off from there. I love the side characters in this. He's still close to his ex-sister-in-law. I guess she's still his sister-in-law, but his sister-in-law, Ismay, has a really interesting storyline, and he's also friendly with the local police officer. I loved this book small town. And it was just so charming. This is a book for book lovers through and through. He makes a lot of recommendations casually throughout. I mean, lives above the bookstore. I mean, come on, how amazing. (laughs) There are a lot of surprises that I did not see coming. And I will say, I'm glad I didn't know a ton about it when I went in. So go into this as blind as you can. I didn't share too much in my intro here. And this is really about the family we make and about finding a way to start all over again, even when everything feels lost. This book will definitely make you cry. And I absolutely loved it. I was sitting in the car waiting for John. He was in an appointment. I was just reading on my Kindle, living my best life. It was like New Year's Eve Eve. And I was like, ah, this is the best. I love this book so much. It was a storied life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin. Now I want to go back and read all her books. Yeah, I now that you say that, I've only read, well, I've read that. I love that. And then I read mm-hmm. Young Jane Young, mm-hmm. which I also really enjoyed. I did too. I really enjoyed Young Jane Young. And mm-hmm. they're so different. Like very, all three oh, of the so books different. I've read by her are very different. So I cannot wait to see what else she gives us. There's also an oh. adaptation of A.J. Fickery, which I just recently discovered. So I'm going to have to try and get my hands on that. Mm, yeah. Now, does that make you think, what else is lurking and hiding and waiting on my bookshelf that yes. <laughs> needs to be read. And that, does I get, that make you feel happy or does that make you feel like book anxious? Like there's something that could be sitting there that is going to blow my mind. I feel happy. I didn't even, this book wasn't one that was staring me in the face. Like, read me, read me. You know, you'd like me. I didn't even know it was there. I, fr- I literally didn't know <laughs> it, it existed. I think I got it sent recently. Anyway, it, it it made its way on my shelf and it was meant to be for me to pick it up. Okay. I love that. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we do when we walk into a bookstore. Yes. Oh, I can't. I'm Like I said earlier, I'm so excited for this topic. And what do we mean by bookstore browse, right? I think there's like two different ways to patron a bookstore. One is where you know, okay, I'm going to get Spare by Prince Harry. Like mm-hmm. on Tuesday, mm-hmm. we know we're headed there to get that particular book. Bookstore browse is a little different for me. I do it any chance I get, which isn't often, but I will go to the store without a specific list in mind and just kind of see where the day takes me, see what catches my eye. Yes, same. I usually do not go with any sort of set agenda. Um, It's very rare that I go to get a specific book. When I go, like I've mentioned before, I usually am always going to Barnes & Noble because that's the closest. There's one like 10 minutes down the street. So that's by Trader Joe's. 
So if I go to Trader Joe's, I will pop in there because inevitably, especially since we've started the podcast, I feel like I always find something. And so I will pop in even if I only have 30 minutes or Mm -hmm. less. But sometimes I will also go with the set agenda of I'm going to spend an hour and I'm going to see what I can find because I enjoy it. I think it's fun. I get into the rhythm of searching and looking. You know, I want to bring different types of books to the show. That motivates me to go to the bookstore more. So I kind of will even schedule times when... Like, for example, we have another Barnes & Noble that's that's not too far from me, but a little further than the other one. And that's by, that's actually part of a mall. So if I need to return anything or go to the Apple store, or go, then I'll go to that one. So I have this method and it works for me. But what's your method when you, like, what are you doing when you walk in the store? Mm-hmm. If you're there just to browse. Yeah, so you've inspired me to do more browsing and... When I do, I usually have, okay, it's either one of my two bookstores that I can walk to. I have one at work I can walk to, probably more, but one like right up the street. Then I have one in my hometown that I can walk to. Or sometimes when I'm done teaching and I'll like have to wait to catch my train, I have like a quick 30 minutes. There's a Barnes and Noble on the way as a part of the university. So I love going over there because they have the best selection. It's like, because I don't think it's like a chain. I think it's like, it's like a different one. It's somehow like a a school bookstore as well. So I get a lot of Mm -hmm. good ones there. So I'll talk about that particular one because that's like my favorite place to browse. So I walk in and most Barnes and Nobles that I know have this, there's like most bookstores have this, there's those tables in front. Every single time I have to look at them. I have to say, do I have this? Do I not? What's new? What came out? Sometimes I'm looking too for any new, new books. Like Sometimes Barnes and Noble will slip them out a little early. So I'm like, that doesn't Mm -hmm. come out till next week. So I like to spot it if I can. But then for me, I pretty much go right over to, once I'm done with the brand new releases, head straight to fiction and I go to mystery and thriller or crime, horror, that section. I love looking over there because I just feel like I don't, I don't know. I just want to be enticed and those for some reason that's right where my brain goes. I definitely want to look over there and see if there's anything that catches my eye. And then I'll swing around and look at the side caps, like where they have little displays just to see what they're, what that particular store is highlighting. So that's usually mm-hmm. what I do. And I always, 99% of the time I buy something, like I don't just like loiter, but I also don't go very often. So, mm-hmm. Yes. I also do the same, which is check those front tables. Mm-hmm. Barnes & Noble especially restructured a couple years ago. They used to have tables in the front that publishers paid for. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And they no longer do that. So those are actually books I'm interested in now, not just the like best-selling commercial fiction. So I hit that. I hit the new fiction Mm -hmm. then on the, the main shelves. And I start there and I look for covers and titles that catch my eye to start with. And possibly I'll look for authors that I've loved in the past that maybe I I see that they have a new book and either I knew about it or didn't, or maybe I didn't know what it was about. I'll look for new releases I haven't heard of, any titles that people have recommended to me or I've heard talked about. But really, my biggest goal is to find books that I haven't heard talked about before or haven't seen splashed all over Bookstagram. So that means picking up a lot of books where the cover or title or both have caught my eye. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I start. I'll look to see if there's any blurbs on the cover because depending on who's blurbing, that will get my attention. And I go from there. So once I, I do that, I'll check out the inside jacket synopsis. Once I start checking that out, I look for buzzwords that jump out to me. And my buzzwords, like, gosh, it could be anything. I feel like you know your buzzwords. You know what what gets your attention. For me, it could be unsolved murder or (laughs) family complications. I like anything that indicates that there's conflicts or, or maybe unresolved love or like those are the kind of things I'm looking for. Um, I'll look for intriguing or interesting settings, Mm -hmm. especially if I haven't read like a book set there before. 
And then if there's anti-buzzwords, which would be for me like cult, I'll tend to like stop reading and maybe even put the book down if it has several of my anti-buzzwords. But, you know, if I'm intrigued enough to keep going and read like from the synopsis, then I'll head to the first page of the book, read a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. If that has my attention, then I end up usually taking a picture of the book or writing down the title and then kind of file that away and see how many I end up with by the time I'm done. Because I go so often, I alternate. Sometimes I will keep the fiction books as like, okay, here's what I'm interested in. See if I have already have a copy of that somewhere or can get a copy. And then I either try to buy like one of the non, like a nonfiction that's on my TBR or something that I really want, or I'll buy like a, a notebook or station, mm-hmm. you know, something from the gift, the gift area. I do try to buy something, but that's kind of my method. And from there, I'll like browse the mysteries and thrillers, the shelf talkers and that sort of thing. Can you hear Lily arrived home? You don't hear her? hear her? That's amazing. No. She's screaming. Yeah. She just came home. Yeah. I love a good shelf talker. Oh, yeah. And like, I will just, I just want to see what they're recommending. And like, I also think like, oh, if I read it, like, did I like it? Did I not like it? Mm-hmm. I am with you in that. I look at the spines and then I'll like pull out and have to like actually look at the cover. If for some reason something catches my eye there, I try and go slowly if I have enough time and kind of go in order because I don't, I do the same thing you do. I don't want to miss one. So like, if I know I want a new book, but I'm like, I, oh, I always put so much pressure on myself because I want it to, of course, I want it to be a good one. So I, I like sometimes, rarely though, I usually take a picture, but sometimes I'll grab it and then I walk away and decide, okay, which of these am I going to buy? Also, author blurbs is a good one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's so funny. Your method actually is totally how I picked one of my picks today, but there was an author blurb that got me and also a buzzword that got me. I was like, okay, I got oh, to give this okay. one a shot. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely look at that as well. Do you find that as you're like walking around the store, what I think I've figured out a little bit (laughs) is when you're browsing the different sections, especially if they're the sections where there's, you know, a lot of books where you can only see the spines, Mm -hmm. every now and then there is a book facing like towards you. And to me, I think those are the ones I especially pay attention to because I I feel like, I don't know if this is a fact, but I feel like the booksellers have done that because it's a book that they, that needs attention. Mm -hmm. So those will, those will catch my eye as I'm going around the store. I don't know if that's an actual fact, but I feel like it could be. Yeah. (laughs) I also like to, God, I'm so creepy, but on occasion, I like to see what other people are looking at. And I saw this group of young girls and they were like looking around like, we want a black romance. Like it was a group of black girls and they were standing there like, where are all the black romances at? And I wanted to shout, Kennedy Ryan, go find a Kennedy Ryan. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to be that creep. But I was like, oh, I know they're here, but I don't, I'm not the bookseller, right? I don't want to infringe. Although if I said that out loud and someone's like, oh, you should read this, I would be delighted. So I don't know why I restrained myself. Ugh. Next I time. know. I was just thinking they probably would have I know. appreciated your recommendation. No, I pa- I'm a little, ugh, I was like, I, I couldn't possibly, <laughs> as though I don't <laughs> recommend books for a part-time living. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, okay. Well, thank God for bookstores. What else do you have? Nothing. I, know. I don't. Okay. Well, I hope that this has given me our, our listeners a few tips and tricks to just give it a try and then see if any of these methods work Mm -hmm. because I still think this is what I did and I found something like Birthday Girl by Nico Wolf, which I, that, that is just my, my most amazing favorite find of the last like eight months at the bookstore. I know. And if I wasn't doing this particular way of browsing, I wouldn't have found it. Mm -hmm. Something else I do that's fun. I talked about how I usually buy like a piece of merch if I can from a bookstore when I'm there. But I also buy a book and I like to keep the receipt so that I know, all right, this is the one I got from Parnassus in Nashville. This is the one I got from the Lost Bookstore in LA. So like I keep the receipt in that particular book. So that way it's kind of like a little souvenir for myself. We're going to Florida next week and I'm real excited because there's some bookstores that I'm going to try and hit up. So 
stay tuned for that. Yeah, she'll have to share pictures on your Instagram or something. Of course, I sure will. All right, well, let's talk about the books themselves. Yes, what was your first one? My first one is actually my most recent bookstore browse find, as in end of December find. And this is The Light Keepers by Abby Jeannie. And this is a 2016 debut, but I found it in the fiction section that was with some other, I I guess they were kind of shelved with other thrillers and I, I was able to download the audio. So I did a combination and I do think the combination worked for me because Exe Sands narrates and she's one of my favorite authors, but she also can go up and down in tone. So sometimes you'd have, I I kept having to turn, sometimes turn the audio up, sometimes turn it down, sometimes speed it up or slow it down. So it worked for me, but I also was fine just reading on my Kindle too. And this is what I would call a nature thriller, but a very literary nature thriller, very literary. So keep that in mind. In this book, we follow Miranda, who is a nature photographer. She has traveled the world and ends up getting a like photography residency on a group of islands called the Farallon Islands, which actually I had to Google, of course. These are real islands, and they are part of a national wildlife refuge, and they're located 30 miles west of the Golden Gate Bridge in California. So she is going there to spend a year taking photographs of the ocean life, the marine wildlife. And these particular islands are exotic. They are dangerous. And there are only a few other people there. And all of these other people are biologists. And they are also there doing their own research. They're all scientists studying different parts of the conditions of these islands and the ocean. So they document the fish populations. There's a group of sharks called the sisters that hunt in the surrounding waters. There is a very interesting bird population. And shortly after Miranda arrives on these islands, something happens and someone is assaulted by one of the other people. And a few days after that, that particular person who assaulted someone is found dead And perhaps this was the result of an accident, perhaps not. So while questions swirl and hang over all of them, life has to go on at this place. They have jobs to do and the seasons are changing. But when more violence occurs, each member of this very strange community falls under suspicion. I'm going to leave it there. This story, on the one hand, follows a traditional structure of a a mystery novel, but on the other hand, it's so much more. It is, for me, like the writing was very evocative. The setting I absolutely loved, and there's almost a like a dreamlike quality to the way the author structured her sentences and the words that she used. I mean, I could picture myself there. I loved hearing about the different types of research that they were doing. I like to learn. So this was really right in my wheelhouse. Learning about the ocean, the great white sharks, the seals, the whales, the different types of birds. If you like the nature aspect of something that is also a mystery and, and thriller, I say thriller, but it's it's not really a thriller, although the publisher called it that. To me, it's more of a mystery and very literary. The sentences are great. The thoughts on human behavior, the philosophical questions she raises dealing with moral and ethical issues of people, of animals, of climate. I loved all of that. And my main criticism with this story comes with the fact that I reached a point in the story where I thought less is more. And it it almost just hit me out of the blue. Like I felt like the author was dragging out the plot too much. And almost like a, I kept thinking of you, Tina, and I kept thinking, I feel like this is a little bit of a land the plane situation. <laughs> but still, I, I was there 
I stayed with it, but I wish it would have been tighter. I, w- I wish that there would have been a point where the author may have said, all right, I think everyone's got it and, I, and I've got to focus more on the plot and keeping the interest in the, in the plot and the mystery rolling. So I, I landed, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. I have very conflicting thoughts about the resolution. So uh, if anyone else reads it, I would I would actually love to talk about it. I'm still thinking about it. So I guess I guess that's a win. I will put in a content warning for sexual assault. So beware of that. And that's The Lightkeepers by Abby Jenny. Awesome. Boy, there's a lot of lighthouse keepers, lighthouse books like I was trying to look it up as you were talking about it. I was like, there's too many. I got to wait till you say the author's name again. (laughs) And also we have a bit of a keeper theme, really random. My book is The Keeper by Jessica Moore. And I will talk about this. There's content warning for suicide. The whole, that's kind of the center of the plot. So if you don't want to read about that, feel free to skip ahead just a little bit here. But this is a literary thriller about a crime that is as shocking as it is commonplace. In London, Katie Straw's body is pulled from the waters of the local suicide spot, and the police are ready to write it off as a standard-issue female suicide. But the residents of the domestic violence shelter where Katie works disagree. These women have spent weeks or even years getting to know Katie and waiting for the men they're running from to catch up with them, and they know immediately that this was not suicide, this was murder. So... Detective Dan Whitworth and his team expect it to be a pretty run-of-the-mill open-and-shut case until they discover evidence that suggests Katie was not who she appeared to be. The story weaves together the investigation with Katie's final month as it all kind of leads toward this culminating event. This was a slow burn mystery, but the payoff was really worth it. I love the setting. I know that sounds strange, but I really, really appreciated the setting of the women's shelter because the author did a really good job folding in all of these characters and learning about the other women that are there and about their stories, as well as Katie's. I enjoyed at first the past timeline a little bit more than the present, because I did not like the detective. He was a jerk, but that was a point. Like, you know that that was by design. I enjoyed the past setting a little bit more than present day when they're doing the detective work, but eventually it all does come together for sure. This book's about domestic abuse in its many forms. It's very, very well plotted. And it was fun to put the pieces together. Although I say fun, it was really a sad read. So I don't know if fun's the right word, but I liked that the author gave us a lot of little tease teasers throughout the plot. This book's an examination of misogyny and of violence against women and the structures that allow or make for this to be able to continue. I would say if you pick this up, make sure you're in the right headspace for it, but it's really well done. And I would definitely try more by this author. The reason I picked it up is because the cover is awesome. It was really sad, but I'm really glad I read it. This book was The Keeper by Jessica Moore. Oh, okay. Interesting. I know I know that title, but I didn't know anything about the book. Me either. I think it came out in 2022 and I saw very little about it. Actually, I never heard of it, so... All right, my next book is a book I love so much. And this was on my radar years ago, but then came back on my radar when Barnes & Noble had a celebrity book club, like favorites table. And this is an Oprah's book club pick from 2016. And it is Behold the Dreamers by (gasps) Embola Mobwe. Have you read it? No, this has been on my list for 100 years. (gasps) Truly, I've been meaning to read it for so long. I cannot tell you. I loved this book. I have to tell you all, if you can get the audio, you must. The audio is by Prentice Oniomi, and he is now one of my favorite narrators ever. This audiobook, oh my gosh, I can't tell you. I highly, highly recommend it. This story is about Jende Janga, and he is a Cameroonian immigrant living in Harlem, He has come to the United States to provide a better life for himself, his wife, Nini, and their six-year-old son. And the story takes place in the fall of 2007. And Jendi's cousin, Winston, is able to get him a job interview as a chauffeur 
for Clark Edwards, who is a senior executive at Lehman Brothers. So New York City is the setting. Jende goes to the interview. Clark is very matter-of-fact, almost dismisses Jende, but Jende is determined to get this job. Clark informs him that he is going to demand punctuality, discretion, loyalty. Jende will have to sign a NDA. He's not going to be allowed to discuss anything he hears in the car. He's going to have to chauffeur um, not only Clark, but his wife, Cindy, and their son, anywhere they want to go. Jende is all too happy to agree to everything. He wants this job, and he gets this job, and he believes that this opportunity is going to help him and his wife, Nenny, save money and gain a foothold in America and achieve their goals. Nenny is in school. She wants to be a pharmacist, so she's in school part-time, but she also works. They have this singular focus on achieving the American dream. And you know that, right? You know that from the get-go. And however, as the story unfolds and you have the world of the Edwards with Clark and his wife, Cindy, and Cindy comes into the picture. At one point, the story shifts a bit to their summer home in the Hamptons. Interesting happenings go on there. Secrets come out. And what we find is there are a lot of secrets between both families. It's not too long before Jende notices cracks in the Edwards facades because they look perfect. They present a perfect life, but there's more to them than meets the eye. And at the same time, you have what's happening in the financial world with the collapse of the Lehman Brothers. And all of this is is a part of the story. So what will happen to Jende and his family as happenings are going on with the Lehman Brothers, happenings are going on with the Edwards family, all four lives are dramatically upended and changed. At one point, Jende and his wife are forced to make an impossible choice. This story, oh my, I hope I was able to build up enough suspense to to tell you, like, this story was as cinematic and propulsive as a lot of thrillers, as, some, as more so as some thrillers that I've read. I was completely and fully invested in Jenga and his life very quickly. And this was the one I talked about where I thought, I love this book. I love it. I looked to, I looked to see where I was. I was 24 minutes in. The way that the author was able to make me so invested. I was trying to think about how did she do that? How how come now I am not going to put this book down until I find out what happens to all of these people? How did she do that? And I think it is because this is a story that we as the reader are shown these characters versus told. Mm-hmm. And this is really clearly an art. Oh my gosh. I can't describe how well she did this because I just felt like every single person in this book was real. Almost like, I I hate to compare it to the best soap opera, but it was a saga. It felt like the best soap opera, but it also felt very real and very realistic. There are people who have lived and are living these lives and it's very real for them. I don't know. I, I feel like, like you've said before, it's really hard to talk about a book that you love so mm-hmm. much without like going on and on. So I'm going to end there and I'm going to say, if this was ever on your radar and you didn't read it, go grab it. And if you can get the audio, give it a try. It was amazing. I think I double checked on three different occasions because I was convinced this was a full cast narration, that there was more than one narrator. That's how good he is with voices and language. And it was, it was great. So this was Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mabwe. Mm-hmm. I've borrowed this so many times. <laughs> and I'm actually, I added it when you were talking to my book club list for my book club 
people in oh, real life. It would be so such like, a good oh. book club book. Yeah. So add it to your list, folks. All right. Number two. Mm, okay. I told you I like mystery and thriller section of the bookstore. So just bear mm-hmm. with me. This is a book for people that have similar taste as me. It is psychological suspense inspired by a true story. And it's People Like Them by Samira Sadira. This was, okay, this is the book I was talking about earlier where I looked at the cover, loved the cover, saw that there was a blurb from Layla Slamani, who was the author of The Perfect oh. Nanny. I'm like, okay, that is a, and after having read it, I can say that was excellent, a great comp. And it's also a book in translation. This book, <laughs> okay, I'll just say this is a thriller again. It's the beginning is the most brutal part, but it's about a a brutal murder that takes place in an insular French village when a family of outsiders moves to town. You have Anna and Constant Guillot, and they live with their two daughters in the peaceful, remote mountain village of Carmack. There's a lot going on in France during the time period that this is set, and they're kind of not paying attention. They're off in their own village. None of the townsfolk are really too concerned with the politics of France. And everyone in Carmack knows each other, and all the residents look alike, until Bakary and Sylvia Langlois arrive with their three children. Now, this couple is wealthy, they are flashy, and they're a family of five, and they enter the small town. These individuals are black, and everybody in the town is, is by and large white, and already that in and of itself attracts a lot of attention. Not to mention, they're very, very wealthy, and they start building this chalet. And they have expensive cars, and the neighbors are like, what is going on? Who are these people? But even though the um, two neighbors are very, very different, they kind of form this friendship as you do with your neighbors. And then there's some financial troubles that take place. And that is the catalyst. That is what really sets everything off. The friendship comes to a breaking point. This book is so incredible. I'm kind of burying the lead here. This is a why done it, not a who done it. The family gets murdered. The entire family gets killed oh. by the neighbor. The opening is incredible. It opens with the alleged killer on trial. And the person narrating is his wife. And she talks about what happens when your spouse commits any snaps and just commits an atrocious crime like that. And how she's blamed because how could you be married to somebody? How could you not see? She's like, but who would ever expect this out of anybody? Thought that was so, so thoughtful. This novel is slim and taut and just, I could not put it down. I'm talking could sit and read it in one sitting. If you can handle the content matter, I highly recommend it. Again, the beginning part is the most graphic. Everything else is more about the the tension, the buildup, the crime, what happened. There's race relations. I mean, I was blown away by this story um, and the author, I, I looked it up because I was curious. It is own voices. Um, so I, I, I just thought she wove such an incredible story. And again, it's based on a true story. So of course I had to look that up and see what happened, but highly, highly recommend this book. It's People Like Them by Samira Sadira. I just feel like a weirdo recommending this sort of thing, but my goodness, was it no. thought provoking. Holy cow. I had heard of that when, probably when it came out. And then it fell off my radar. So mm. I am glad. No, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. So Oh, and I did this in print, so I'm not sure about the audio, but I would absolutely, if this sounds at all interesting, give it a shot and let me know. I want to talk about it with somebody. Oh, that's okay. That sounds good. All right. It is time for Shelf Editions. My book is Commitment by Mona Simpson. It comes out March 21st. And this story is about Diane Aziz and her kids. So Diane is a single mother. And in 1980s Los Angeles, she has a wishful belief that her children attain all the things she hasn't. And she has worked really hard to secure their future for them, specifically gaining them illegal entry to an affluent public school. Now, as the story begins, it sounds like she is having struggles. She drives her oldest son, Walter, from Los Angeles to college at UC Berkeley, drops him off, 
that and that will be her last parental act before falling into a deep depression. And Diane is then entered into a state mental hospital and her friends end up intervening to help keep the children safe and their mother's dreams alive for them. So the synopsis gives us a little bit about the kids. You have Walter, who's at Berkeley. He's going to be in a trying situation because of a lack of funds. You are going to have his sister, Lena, who works back at home in LA at an ice cream parlor, surrounded by wealthy classmates who are preparing for Ivy League schools. And something happens with her where she wages a high-stakes gamble in order to be able to go to the Ivy League schools, one of the Ivy League schools, with them. And then you have Donnie, their little brother, who everybody loves, but he is kind of drifting and ends up in getting into a somehow a relationship with drugs. So all of this is obviously a story about this family. It's going to go from Berkeley to Los Angeles to New York and back again. And this is a story about one family navigating the different crises in their lives. And I picked this as a shelf edition because it, it came on my radar. Once I kind of read what this whole background of the story was, it gave me vibes of The Last Romantics by Tara Conklin and The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. I love both of those books. So I am hoping to love this. It's Commitment by Mona Simpson comes out March 21st. Mm-hmm. My shelf edition is These Still Black Waters by Christina McDonald. And I put this on our shelf edition because I loved her last book, Do No Harm. I'm very excited to see what she brings with this one. This is a book released on August 8th, so we have a while to wait, but I wanted to uh, get it on your radar now. It's about two women who struggle toward a dark truth as a killer avenges the sins of the past. And after a violent home invasion, Nev McGuire returns with her daughter to Black Lake, her childhood summer home, hoping for a fresh start. She's trying to get away. But then the body of a woman is found floating among the reeds in the lake behind her house, and she fears she has made a horrible mistake. Nev is hiding secrets, and Detective Jess Lambert can tell. Recently back after her own personal tragedy, Jess knows what it's like to live with skeletons in your closet. and She knows that Nev has a few of her own. And then another woman's body is found, and Jess and Nev are forced to confront a horrible truth. Because one thing is clear— The darkness of the past is waiting, and the secrets of Black Lake are only just beginning to surface. So I'm like, all right, if you want your dark and twisty thrillers, here you go. I'll try and be a little lighter next episode. Uh, This is These Still Black Waters by Christina McDonald. Comes out on August 8th. Okay. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to exclusive bonus content, we would love to have you join our Patreon community for $5 a month. Go to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at BookTalkEtc on Instagram, Tina at TBR Etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Good upcoming options. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> okay. That's it. I mean, hi. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a ding-dong. <laughs> yeah.